continue through our journey of Luke, of the Gospel of Luke. You'll be turning to Luke chapter 7. We'll pick up at verse 18. See in the front of your worship guide a picture depicting uh, Christian and hopeful fleeing Doubting Castle from Pilgrim's Progress. Uh, An autobiographical uh, happening in the life of John Bunyan as he spent 12 years in uh, prison uh, as he wrote the allegory of the Christian life. Christian is and hopeful are traveling to the celestial city along the uh, road the, tra- the way gets a little tough and they see on across the fence there's a bypath meadow uh, an easier route so they take the easier route and they get off the way that they're to be traveling on uh, they meet some troubles they uh, uh, not knowing that they have strayed onto the grounds of Doubting Castle Uh, They take a rest and they are captured by giant despair. Locks them in a dungeon, no food, no water, no light. His wife is urging him to beat them regularly. And again, this is the dark, dark time of the soul that Bunyan experienced uh, during the years that he was in prison, 12 years, great depression, despair. Uh, Christian considers in the story suicide. Uh, Hopeful talks him down off the ledge. Uh, Spurgeon actually says this, uh, Spurgeon had a doubting castle period of time when uh, they were building his church and he was meeting in an uh, amphitheater and someone yelled fire and the crowd rushed and 12 people were killed. Spurgeon was out of commission for a long time, had to go down and rest on the French Riviera and suffered with depression from his life uh, forward, from life on. Sort of a depiction of what John the Baptist goes through. This sermon, uh, chapter 7, Luke Verse 18 to 35, uh, we'll, we'll arrange the sermon around three major questions, but there's a whole series of questions that we'll walk through and we'll deal with them as we come. But let's read the uh, text before we pray, and then we will go on our journey through this passage. The disciples of John reported all these things to him, And John, calling two of his disciples to him, sent to the Lord, saying, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? And when the men had come to him, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you, saying, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? In that hour he healed many people of diseases and plagues and evil spirits, And on many who were blind, he bestowed sight. And he answered them, Go and tell John what you've seen and heard. The blind receive uh, their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up. The poor have good news preached to them, and blessed is the one who is not offended by me. When John's messengers had gone, Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? What then did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing? Behold, those who are dressed in splendid clothing and live in luxury are in king's courts. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet, this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. 
I tell you, among those born of women, none is greater than John, yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. When all the people heard this, and the tax collectors too, they declared God just, having been baptized with the baptism of John. But the Pharisees and lawyers rejected the purpose of God for themselves, not having been baptized by him. To what then shall I compare this, the people of this generation, and what are they like? They're like children sitting in the marketplace and calling to one another. We played the flute for you, and you did not dance. We sang a dirge, and you did not weep. For John the Baptist has come eating no bread and drinking no wine, and you say he has a demon. The Son of Man has come eating and drinking, and you say, look at him, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Yet wisdom is justified by all her children. That's God's word. Let's ask him to help us to understand it and apply it to answer these questions according to his purposes. Our Father, we do approach you. We approach you with minds that you've given us, you've blessed us, By your spirit, we're enabled to think through these things. But Lord, it's not without your help. Our heart's desire is to know you. That we might know ourselves. And when we know you and we know ourselves, we'll run to Christ, our only hope. Father, we pray that you would help us in our understanding this morning, that our hearts would be warmed by your word, not only as we read, but as we hear. Lord, help me to guard my mouth. For the sake of the truth of the gospel of Jesus. Father, we've mentioned Ava and Addie overseas for just this summer. We do pray that you will have worked deeply in their hearts. That as they return, we'll hear how it is that you have uh, affected them through their ministries for these few weeks. Lord, we think about those who are overseas in a long-term life work. Bill and Kelly Housley, as they work now in the school, having taken the gospel to the villages in Papua New Guinea. Lord, for Martin and Paula Risley, as I've been host and hostess to Ava, as I minister there in the south of Spain. Father, would you bless that ministry? We thank you, we come to you, and we praise your holy name that you have saved their daughter. One for whom we've prayed for years. Ken and Mary, Barber and Belize. Lord, I pray you would give Ken direction as he considers going to Guyana. Direct him. Lord, again, we pray for churches closer to home, our friends who are like-minded. We thank you for uh, the testimony from Harvest last Sunday night. That you are working in that 
desire to merge and bring two churches together. We pray for them as the, their decision-making time is near. Lord, I pray for our seminaries, the professors, the staff. Lord, that they would stand firm for the truth, not as reeds shaking in the wind, affected by human opinion. But Father, I'm our young men and uh, women might be taught the truth of your word and prepared for ministry in your church. For us this morning, give us ears to hear, we pray. Open the ears of our heart that we might not leave as we came we might be transformed in Jesus' name. Amen. So what we have is uh, three sections. I've just broken it up into three sections. I said around uh, three major questions, but there's questions all through this text uh, that are asked of uh, of the people and of uh, us. the, in 18 to 23, we have a section there that is uh, the ministry of Jesus is explained as John has the question, are you the one or not? Are you the Messiah or not? And then as we come down to the next section, uh, after John's messengers have gone away in 24 to 30, the ministry of John is clarified. Who he is is clarified to the people there. And then we'll close the last section with a picture of man's depravity or the perversity of humanity in those last few verses, 31 to 35. So let's look at the beginning of verse 18. Of course, we see the setting. The disciples of John reported all these things to him. What things? Well, last week, as we looked, those two, the two events uh, previously, previous to uh, this episode where uh, Jesus had healed a, a centurion, a Gentile centurion servant, long distance. He ended up not going because of the faith of the centurion who said, just your word will do it. Jesus healed him, and then he canceled the funeral. The widow's son who had died is raised from the dead. And so the disciples come to John and they report all these things to him. People are being healed. They're being raised from the dead. And at that point, John, and I don't know why the ESV put in John in the verse 18 and not in verse 19, but that's beside the point. Uh, And John calls two of his disciples and said, look, Uh, go ask him, go to the Lord and say, uh, are you the one? John's doubts are rising. You know, we were introduced to John as Shannon read in chapter three. He's the forerunner, the one who Malachi says, and Isaiah said would come and pave the way uh, for the Lord Jesus. He preaches, repent, the kingdom is at hand. And now he's in prison, languishing in prison over on the east side of the Dead Sea in a, in a fortress, Machaerus Fortress. That's what Josephus tells us anyway. And he has preached, um, Behold the, the Son who takes away the sin of the world, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And he says, I must decrease and he must increase. I'm not sure he had this, this big of a decrease. In mind, but he's decreased now because he questioned Herod's relationship with his brother's wife. And so Herod has put him in, in prison. And doubts begin to rise. Uh, receives this up to date report uh, about the happening. So he sends them, Are you the one? And uh, of all people to ask, What we know about John up to this point, if we were to take the four Gospels and bring it all together, 
There is nobody more uh, sure of himself, nobody more dogmatic in what he was preaching and what he was saying. Uh, And yet, here's John uh, wobbling, if you will, in doubt. He's the one who baptized Jesus and he comes up, as Jesus comes up out of the water, the heavens open and the uh, spirit comes down like a dove and lands on Christ and the Father speaks from heaven. This is my, my beloved son in whom, I'm well, whom I am well pleased. I know that if, if you would have seen that, you would have never asked the question, are you the one? Right? But John did. Of all people to doubt when he's seen what he's seen. You know, we don't want to get too psychological, uh, but you know, a dank dungeon probably doesn't, fo- is, uh, doesn't foster optimism very well. And so John seems to think there's something missing in the ministry of uh, the Lord Jesus. It wasn't at all what he thought when he said what he said. He doesn't. He, Jesus is not doing what he expected, what he thinks he should, uh, or he, what he would do if he was the one. And so that Macarius, Macarius castle becomes John's doubting castle. Uh, any questions? He knew he had a place as the forerunner of Jesus in God's redemptive plan. John is the last in this long line of Old Testament prophets. We'll put him in the Old Testament prophet category, although he's on the other side of uh, the intertestamental period. He's on the Matthew side. He declared the lamb, that Jesus was the Lamb of God. From his cell, he hears... Jesus is not doing things that match his expectation. You brood of vipers who warned you to flee from the wrath to come. The axe is already laid at the tree. Preaching about fire and destruction and judgment, John was. Anticipating that when the Messiah arrives, the Lamb of God who takes away, he's going to take away all the sin of the world. Uh, quickly do away with the powers of darkness, which in his mind is Rome and all these bad people and in their country, that he'd be judging unrighteousness for promoting the good guys. And instead, he hears a Gentile servant being healed and, and, and uh, the dead raised. And where's the winnowing fork, he says, to separate the good from the bad? Jesus doesn't seem to have any fire going to burn up the chaff that he's going to find. I mean, you know, and, and again, the axe is already laid at the tree. What's, what's going on? Malachi, uh, as he prophesies, who can endure the day of his coming? Who can stand when he appears? He'll be like a refiner's fire. Things are just not fitting together in John's mind. As he sits there, he has too much idle time to think about it, and he begins to wonder, did I miss the boat? And it's his, uh, one, one theologian says, his eschatological expectations are being unmet. He thought he had it all figured out. He thought he had the timing He thought it was clear what was supposed to happen, when it was supposed to happen. But he sends these two guys with the question, are you really the one? It's interesting what Jesus does, at least how the way that Luke records it in verse 20. And when they come to him, they said, John the Baptist, you know, Jesus... It's not us asking, John's asked. John's the one who's asking this question. So just, uh, are you the one or shall we look for another? And in that hour, he healed many people of diseases, plagues, evil spirits, many 
who were blind, he bestowed sight. So you think about it, they walk up and they say, uh, John wants to know, are you the one? And it's almost as if, as Luke records it, Jesus doesn't even look up. He just keeps on doing what he was already doing, and he heals and he casts out the, the evil spirits. And the blind are receiving their sight. Imagine how long that took. I mean, they're just standing there waiting for an answer, and Jesus just continues to do that. But he's very, very intentional in what he's doing. Look at verse 21, in that, I mean 22, and he answered, Go and tell John what you've seen and heard. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, the poor have good news preached to them. So Jesus' answer, he finally stops and answers, Go tell John what you've seen and what you've heard. <clears throat> it's, it's, it's just a picture of what we saw last week, his compassion for John and his mercy toward his disciples, towards us when we ask these kinds of questions and he puts up with us and he just says, look and see. Jesus, what are you doing? I'm doing what I always did. I'm here at the Father's behest. I'm not here to particularly serve you. I'm here to worship Him. He said, that's saying to John, that's what I preached at the, in, in Nazareth when they got mad at me at the at the synagogue in Nazareth, we go to Luke 4. Here's what Isaiah 35, verse 4 through 6. He said, here's what Jesus to John, here's what Isaiah prophesied. Say to those who have an anxious heart, be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, with the recompense of God. He will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, the ears of the deaf unstopped. unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer, and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. Jesus has visibly proved he is the fulfillment of Isaiah 35, Isaiah 61, Malachi 3, all of these passages that John knows about the passages that actually prophesied of John's ministry. Jesus has proven it visibly, unquestionably. And he says, just go tell John what you see and hear. It's not time for the judgment aspect to come yet. That's what John expected. These evidences, though, uh, are already present Though Rome is still in charge, or Rome still thinks they're in charge, they're in charge of governing the Jews, God is in charge of every event. Seems that John's wasting away in prison, his ministry is for nothing, but the restoration, Jesus is saying, has already begun. Um, You ever doubted? You ever ask, um, and I won't say dumb questions, although my notes say, you ever ask dumb questions of God? You know, I, I, I still say the only dumb question asked, uh, the only dumb question is the one you don't ask, right? But you ever get to this place where John is, things that you know, you know the answer to the question, and you're asking God, what are you up to? What are you doing? Um, you know, you read and listen to the circumstances of our day uh, around the world, and here, here at home, you say, "What's happening?" As if you expect uh, this to be a nation that serves God. Um, 
Wish something dramatic would happen. I wish something dramatic would happen, don't you? Um, and I asked the question, have you ever doubted? Some of you may say no. Well, here's what I would say. If, if you haven't doubted before, don't be surprised when you do. I mean, it happened to John. It happens to many. When Jesus doesn't seem to work as you imagine or as you expect or as I think it ought to, you'll find you, you, one day you'll find yourself in Doubting Castle. Is this all real? Confused about what's happening. Asking why are you taking so long? Look at the bad guys. They seem to be winning. What's going on, Lord? David, how long, O Lord? Even the martyred souls around the throne of God. How long, Lord, before your vengeance will be vindicated? And Jesus kindly, mercifully says, go back and report to John what you've seen and heard. Don't forget how you got to this point this morning in your life. It was the mercy and the kind providence of God that brought you here. When you ask these questions, go back to where you came from. He's only doing what he's always done. And that's his answer to John. A kind, merciful, he didn't rebuke him explicitly. But notice he also says, we don't want to leave out the poor have good news preached to them. Um, and I just, I want to make that point. Be sure not to leave that part out um, Because the primary focus of Jesus' ministry was not to make people well. Uh, It was uh, not to make bad people good people, but it was to make dead people live, right? To preach good news to the poor. Uh, Back in chapter 4, they've had an evening of everyone being healed in Capernaum. And uh, the next morning, Jesus has gone out to a desolate place. And the people are lined up in town again. And so they come and get him and say, Jesus, you got more opportunities. We had such a good time last night. There's more here. And he says, "Uh, no, we're going to the next town. I have to preach good news to the poor in other cities. That's why. That's the purpose he came. I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God. I was sent for that purpose. And then there's just sort of a by the way to John, uh, verse 23. Notice what, blessed is the one who's not offended by me. Uh, His general rebuke of John for his doubtful, doubting question is, Hang in there, John. Real blessing comes to those who do. And then they go back and report to John. I was uh, about 30 years ago, a sermon I was reading 30 years ago. The preacher said, our, morally, our nation is collapsing. People are suffering from a collective nervous breakdown. Our nation. Violence in the streets. Crime is widespread. You know the litany. Our, our, our society is rootless. 17,000 homicides. This was late November of the year. I read in 21, there were 26,000 homicides. 
inhumanity of man towards man and women somewhat, but usually. Technology, I mean, we're more advanced than we've ever been. And if you read anything on the internet, which I don't know if we should be reading anything on the internet anymore, if you read anything on the internet, you ought to be scared to death about the technology because the people who are in, uh, uh, bringing the technology don't even know where it's going to take us. Right? Uh, yeah, we're politically torn, he says, finding person like John who will take a stand on the principles and hold, go to the mat to hold the principles is just like he said, it's like needle in a haystack. 30 years ago, where are we today? Where are we in all of this? We're waiting for something dramatic to happen because it's not happening very fast. Well, it is happening fast, but it's going the wrong way. And the followers of Jesus miss Jesus' point on a regular basis. We know that. When we get to chapter 9, Jesus tells them, he sends out the 12 apostles. He gives them power to heal. He gives them uh, 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 power to preach. And he says, and look, if you go into a city and they don't respond to you, just shake the dust off your feet and go on to the next town. At some point, you got to stop casting your pearls before the swine, right? I mean, he didn't say it that, not at that point. But he said, just shake the dust off and go to the next town. If they don't receive you, don't be surprised when that happens. And then at the end of that same chapter, they're going to a Samaritan village. Jesus sends a few... Uh, disciples ahead to prepare for his coming into this Samaritan village, and they don't get received in the Samaritan village. James and John come back. John, our gospel, uh, wrote the gospel of love, you know, our apostle of love. James and John comes back and say, hey, Jesus, they didn't receive us. Why don't we call fire down from heaven? You know, you go from shaking the dust off to fire down from heaven, Right? I mean, they just don't get, they don't, they, they're slow learners. But is that not what we would like to see happen? Jesus says, shake the dust off and go to the next person, go to the next town. And we just, we're just waiting for, for God to do something and get all, the, all these evil people out of the way. Well, fire came down from heaven on sinners, guess what? (laughs) None of us are safe, are we? Well, Jesus says, is trying to teach his disciples, be merciful as your father is merciful. Be compassionate. Remember, I just looked into that widow's eyes and you can't see my heart, but there was compassion for her. Sit down with some of these people. They're looking for fire to correct the situation. We are too. We want something dramatic. Uh, God can send a revival, and if he doesn't send a revival, I don't think much is going to change. Do you? But he can send a revival, and he can do something dramatic in a very short time. But if he doesn't, you want fire to come down? Or will you just go to the next person? And not, yeah, you want to talk to them about going to church. They ought to be in church. But talk to them about Christ and the need of their lives. You know, it's easy to get impatient with the speed of God's fulfillment of his eternal purposes. It is for me. Maybe you're a more laid back. I don't know. I, I just, it's just so slow. But I'm thankful that it's God who is in charge. Sit down with people that are unlike you. Listen to them. Have compassion on them and then tell them about Christ. When we lose confidence in what Jesus says, we'll do all kinds of crazy things and we'll want all kinds of dramatic things to happen. We don't believe the truth, the gospel, 
is sufficient to change people, we'll ask God for something else to make a difference. Uh, But we're to have conversation eventually if they're not listened and paid attention to we shake the dust but we go to the next so that's it Uh, Jesus is explaining his Jesus ministry is explained or uh, shown to us and then in verse 24 to 30 Jesus uh, when John messengers are gone he began to speak to the crowds concerning John and here he asks a series of questions as he's going to teach using these questions to teach about John uh, who John really is uh, three questions he asked, two no's, and then the last one is the answer of yes. Uh, well, there's more than three, but that's the basic progress. What did you go out in the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? No. What then did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing or nice clothing? No. And he says, those who are dressed in splendid clothing and live in luxury in king's courts. Verse 26, what then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yep. And I tell you, I tell you, and more than a prophet. So these three questions, you didn't go out to see a wishy-washy blowing in the wind uh, fella out there in the desert. You didn't do that. You didn't go out to see, you didn't venture out to the desert to see someone dressed in nice clothes. You made the trek to the desert to see a prophet. A man not blown by the wind of human opinion, not uh, uh, flinching, intentional as as a mighty oak tree. And that's what makes this, again, what makes this doubting kind of mystifying, except we know ourselves. He was so confident, so clear. If you don't repent, fire's coming down on you. The axes again at the tree. This one doubtful moment, though, in John's ministry doesn't diminish what he, who he is and what he's done. should be encouraging to us. Um... Our best moment could very well be uh, the precursor to our worst. You know, you can be used by God one day and the next just foul it all up, right? Surely you know that. The issue isn't whether we ever doubt or whether we ever mess up foul things up the issue is that's by God's grace we don't fall completely if we belong to him thankful to God for that Malachi as he prophesies uh, verse there verse 27 this is he of whom it is written behold I send my messenger before your face who will prepare the way uh, before you that was said right after the Israelites in Malachi, remember in Malachi, they've been brought back from 70 years of Babylon. It's just a few years down the road that they've been back. Their temple's been rebuilt. It's not a pretty temple as the old one was, but it's a nice, it's, it's a place to worship God. And the unbelieving Israelites challenge God. Where is the God of justice? Why has he not taken care of these pagans around us? Uh, Expecting Elijah to come to burn up the evil people. And Malachi answers with chapter 3. Behold, I'm sending a messenger before your face who will prepare the way and then the Messiah will come. You want a God of justice? All right, you'll get him. The Lord will suddenly appear from his temple. At his temple, the messenger will come. He'll enforce the covenant and no unbeliever will be left standing. And Jesus says that in this passage, my messenger is John. John's the messenger of, of Malachi. Jesus is the messenger from God. And he's not just one more prophet. He's 
Verse 28, I tell you, among those born of women, none is greater than John, yet the one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. Does that contradict? No one's greater than John. No one born of woman is greater than John, but the one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than John. How can he be the greatest and be the, the least be greater? Well, John didn't know. John knew Jesus personally. It was advantageous to him. It was a blessing to him to know Jesus personally. But it was a preparatory ministry. He received benefits of salvation in prospect of the cross, of all that Jesus would accomplish. Don did, John didn't know Jesus as a crucified, risen Savior. And those who enter the kingdom of God after the cross, each of us relatively unknown, greater than John. Because we have a suffering Savior who sympathizes with our weaknesses. Because he was tempted just like us. We have this man of sorrows who comforts us in our suffering. We live in victory because of Christ's resurrection. The fear of death is gone. We have the Spirit indwelling us permanently knowing that Jesus reigns now at the Father's right hand, interceding for us and defending us. So our privileges should cause us to be deeply grateful. And the uh, verse 29, the little parentheses here, uh, Luke has been going through and sort of separating the Israeli people, the Israelites, into two Israels. And he sort of does it again, verse 29, when all the people heard this and the tax collectors too, they declared God just having been baptized with the baptism of John. But the Pharisees and lawyers rejected the purpose of God for themselves, not having been baptized by him. So we have these Israelites, we have these Jews, and we have the people and the tax collectors, the bad guys, or the lower end of society. We have the religious leaders over here, uh, the Pharisees and the lawyers, and there's two different responses and two approaches to God. Religion, we saw last week, comes religion, the religious externalism, the come to Christ on the basis of personal worth, but our, per, our worth is not in what we own, right? The Roman centurion, the Jews who were profiting from him or being blessed by the Roman centurion, he's worthy. The centurion says, I'm not worthy. Uh, the people in the tax collector say, we don't deserve to be saved. The Pharisees and lawyers are rejecting God's purpose. One group recognizes God is just in demanding confession of sins, repentance, and faith to be saved, and then to openly and publicly give evidence of that faith through their baptism. The other group they discover salvation is a gift, not a right, not something to be earned, and they refuse it. Um, we're going to not go to the third point until next week. But what I would say... That story right there, the Pharisees would not pay attention to John. They would not submit to baptism. When they found out what Jesus 
what's recorded that Jesus teaches in John chapter 1. He came to his own. He was in the world. The world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own people. His own, his own people did not receive him, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. The Pharisees and the lawyers thought it was their right to be God's people. But it's only to those who believe in the name of Jesus Christ who have the right to become children of God. And Jesus says they were born who were born, or John says, who were born not of blood, not of the will of the flesh, the will of man, but of God. This is why some of you may not yet be believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. You still think salvation is something you might, you hope you might be able to earn by being good enough. Maybe you can enter the kingdom on the basis of certain things that you change in your life. Or you're just waiting for God to kind of zap you, do this dramatic thing. And believe me, conversion is a dramatic thing. But all the while, He's calling you, telling you, pleading with you to call on the name of the Lord and you'll be saved. To believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Or maybe you say, I am a Christian. It's just not that important that I get baptized. The bad, what, what's, I'm, I'm, I'm a Christian already. I don't need to be baptized. There's one question we'll ask right here. We've asked a bunch of questions. One question I'll ask. How did you come to the conclusion that's okay? When through the scriptures, baptism follows profession. Who told you that was okay? Did you just decide? It doesn't fit answering the call of Jesus on, on your life. In, in Luke 14, at the end, we'll, we'll see you can't be his disciple if you're not willing to give it all up, your whole life, for him. Repent and be baptized, Peter said. Not that baptism saves you. Baptism is what you do because you're saved. Evidence of a changed heart. You know, it doesn't fit. Come to me. Follow me. You're ashamed of me. I'll be ashamed of you before my father. Here's what, come get baptized. If you're saying you're, you're a professing believer, make sure your profession is credible according to the word of God. Come be baptized and invite those who you don't want to be embarrassed before and show them as a testimony that Jesus means everything to you. When these folks got baptized, they put their life at risk. It meant something. They were taking a stand. Baptism is meant to mean something. That you're standing with Christ. You can show them that Jesus means everything. You're prepared to bow down before him and live the rest of your days. All the people who heard Jesus acknowledge God's way was right. Except the proud religious lawyers. Hell will be full of good people. Good, proud, religious people who would not bow their hearts to Christ. Let's close. I would love to talk with you about any of this. Any of the Men of the church, if you're here and you don't know who's an elder or you don't know anybody else, just ask somebody.
you need clarification, is Jesus the one? We'll open our Bibles and show you. Father, we do look to you. We are not worthy. You are worthy alone. And yet, you sent your son to die for us. Enemies living our own way. And then you called us and you brought us into your kingdom through faith and repentance that you gave us as a gift. Father, I pray you would save those who are not saved. I pray that you would work in the hearts of the believers wherever they are. Help us, Father, to continue to stay out of Bypass Meadow that we not, might not be captured by the giant of despair and taken to Doubting Castle's dungeon. Keep us on the path of righteousness as you show us your word, as your spirit enlightens us, and we'll give you the praise and the honor and the glory realizing it's you and you alone who can change us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, if you'll stand, we'll be dismissed with the benediction. I put together the thoughts of Colossians three fifteen through 17. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Amen.